0: Cruise weddings, NYC. Shadow Lake, Snow, RV,
1: Welcome to Second Stony Brook, a podcast about the Babysitters Club. Today we're discussing Super Special Two Babysitter's Summer Vacation. That was really difficult to say.
0: <laughs> Too many asses for you.
1: Super Special Two Babysitter's Summer Vacation. Yeah, it doesn't really like.
0: Roll off the tongue. Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's also like an S apostrophe, which is always a little bit complicated too. Babysitters' summer vacation. Oh,
1: yes. Multiple babysitters possessing vacation.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get on to our one sentence summaries. <laughs> Keeping us on track. That was a thrilling introduction for our listeners.
1: <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> thrilling all around today, yeah, I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, my one sentence summary is the babysitters. Can't go anywhere without babysitting. <laughs> That's
1: so true. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Wow. I just realized that I wrote mine on the um, dedication page, and this one is dedicated to Jean Barry and Bonky. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so now I have a lot of other questions for Anne and Martin. <laughs> in addition to who are the Pikes? Ooh, are Jean Barry and Bonky the Pikes? Okay. Wow. Well, maybe it's the triplets whoa mm-hmm. um okay my summary is the girls watch a camp movie so then 30 children from the town of stony brook connecticut go to a problematically named summer camp <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah not just problematically named there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of problems with camp mohawk uh yeah mine is readers get to experience a very white and rich version of camp with the bsc and lots of things happen i did not know lots of really things happen
1: <laughs> Or wow. nothing happens.
0: <laughs> well, maybe that's why I just went with lots of things. Because it, it felt like both many things and no things simultaneously. There's, as as we've seen with the other super, with super special one, there is not like one central plot. There's like an A through Q plot and they're all very small. So it, I feel Although, like it doesn't lend itself to a summary.
1: I think they did try to like, differently from the first one, the sort of plot, if there is one, is that Stacy forces them
0: to write in the book. That's not a plot, though. That's how we get the book.
1: Well, sure, but that's, like, the through line, right? Like, that's what generates the the mode of storytelling, I feel. Mm-hmm. And then, like, that's why we get
0: Logan, which... Uh. <laughs> okay, we should probably back up and tell you about the members of the podcast
1: no, oh, we haven't done that yet.
0: <laughs> no, we haven't done that yet. I'm Esby Schaller, an adolescent psychologist. I'm kind of bossy, but I have a big heart.
1: And I'm Emily Crandall, a feminist scholar. I'm a total individual, and I like health food and camping.
2: <laughs> We're like 28 episodes in, Emily.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I can't change.
2: Okay. And I'm Anna Chikala, a freelance writer. I'm a mischievous pragmatist with a sweet tooth. If you want to learn more about us and how we know each other, check out our prologue episode. Also, rate and review us. It really helps people find the podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, or commentary about anything BSC-related, drop us a line at stuckinstonybrook at gmail.com.
0: So, Emily Ann, it's been six months of Stuck in Stonybrook. This this will come out on December 17th, and tomorrow, the 18th, is our six-month anniversary. Wow. What did you get us? Can you, <laughs> why is it my job? I'm the one that gets you to record every week. Why do I have to get you presents? I feel like you two should get me a present. Actually, wait, Emily, we did get you a present. Did you get a package in the mail yet? No, no, it's not there yet. You have a gift for me and Anne. Okay. But it's not for our six-month Can't anniversary. Wait. It's just- It yeah. is BSC
2: related though. Excellent.
0: Well, anywho- It's six months, um, so thank you, all of our listeners, everyone that has written a review and has sent us a nice email, has sent in your BSC Big Five. We love hearing from all of you. We will get to all those BSC Big Fives eventually. We just have quite a backlog. So next two weeks, our release date would be Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, so we are taking those two weeks off for the holidays. So listen to our back catalog, but we will be back at you first thing in January.
2: Yeah, let's get into this super special. So. Gotta admit to our listeners that I I didn't really read this book. <laughs> You've had a couple things going on. Yeah. So, you know, I'm away from home right now. Wasn't expecting to be. I'm away from my books. There's been some stuff going on. So I just haven't really had a lot of time to focus on reading the super special. But I did read almost half. That counts. I think that that's counts. basically the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to bother Esme and Emily a lot. And ask a lot of annoying questions.
0: I think that's our listeners' favorite role that you play is bothering us. So, yes.
2: Okay. How about, okay,
1: so what happened in the part of the book that you did read?
2: I think I got introduced to everyone's little plots. So like, mm-hmm. you know, like Mallory and Jesse, and, you know, Stacy, the foreshadowing of her sickness, mm-hmm. just like how Charlotte Johansson's desperately homesick, you know, kind mm-hmm. of all, all the basics, I think. Mm-hmm. What do you think happens in the end? Oh, man. Well, let's see. I think Logan has to come in somewhere in this book because he's on the Mm -hmm. other side of the lake, right? Oh, so you haven't even
0: had Logan come in yet.
2: No, no Logan yet.
0: Oh, that's Well, don't worry.
1: I'm going to dig into the Marianne Logan subplot because I hate Logan.
2: (laughs) I can't wait. Yeah, I couldn't tell in the beginning when Marianne was like, well, my boyfriend's here. Like, was she saying that to, like, prove that she, she was cool? A hundred percent. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of
1: like cool girl weirdness in this book. Yeah, yeah I have some, I have some things to say about it.
2: Some things. I also something. like how Dawn systematically like rates everybody's appearances in her yeah, cabin. What was
1: that <laughs> it was funny to see the juxtaposition of who liked like whose initial reception into their cabin was warm and whose was kind of cold mm-hmm. and like. What what the like problems were kind of in every cabin it was mm-hmm. interesting and like I yeah a lot of dawn things seemed a bit I don't know like kind of superficial in this book like her like her obsession with like wanting Heather to do the the like shy kid in her bunk to like do something I thought was a little bit it seemed like well intentioned but kind of misplaced
0: yeah mm-hmm. I think that that's a little bit of the pressure though when you are a a camp counselor or a CIT like you're like you know, we use camp counselor. I don't know, like in my job, w- when we have new kids in group therapy that aren't sort of connected to the group yet, we talk with our trainees and stuff about camp counseling it and getting them to like talk to each Wait, other about. As me, weren't
2: you a camp counselor?
0: I was not actually a camp counselor, no. so no. I went to Girl Scout camp a few different times as a as a camper and and once as an older camper, so. I actually what have is a very that? funny, like as so an one, adult, or? <laughs> no, um, there was a, a theater. So the way Girl Scout camp works is it's not, it's not two full weeks like this. It's like a week and it's a specific session. So like one of the ones I went to, at least in California. So one of the ones I went to was like a spelunking one. It was all about cave exploration. And then another one I went to was a drama one and it was designed to go up to age 16. And I brought my friend Kate with me and, um, But our like group, it was like ages 13 to 16 and everyone else was like a day over 13 and we were 16. <laughs> I've, I have a I have a picture somewhere, I have to try to find it, of like me sitting on the corner of the singing log and I look like a thousand years old and then there's all these little children next to me. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So you went spelunking and then you did theater. Yeah, I did a couple others. I don't remember what the spelunking one was the best one. It was very cool. <laughs>
1: I went to Jesus camp once with mm-hmm. a friend of mine and what? my parents. I, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I want to go to camp. And this is the one my friend y- went to. And then I never wrote my parents a single letter. And when they came to pick me up, they were like, what happened? And I was like, oh, is the week already over? Oops. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> what would you guys get up to? <laughs> I think yeah, my that, mom cried.
0: <laughs> that's basically oh. how my kids are when they go to camp. That's good. That just means you have a secure attachment
2: hmm
0: Yeah. Well I'll see you later. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. Annie, you never went to camp.
2: No, did not go to camp. I mean Sly Park, but that was like
0: Oh yeah. You know. Like our sixth the our sixth grade class went to camp mm-hmm. for five days altogether.
2: Yeah, I don't think I'm a camp person really. Say more. I am gonna, gonna make that statement right now. Great. Yeah.
1: Do you like camping? No. No. Okay.
2: Well, okay, wait, actually I've never been camping. What?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting.
2: Well, you've never like slept in a tent? No. I have not well I think I slept in a in a flatbed once because like I think my brother was in Boy Scouts and he went to camp and it was like a family night so I think I, I went with my parents uh, mm-hmm. to do that and I think I slept in a flatbed but I don't know like I really love the outdoors I love like being outside and hiking and stuff but I just really like being comfortable when I sleep <laughs> and, and clean mm-hmm. so that part is hard for me. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. That's funny. Did, well, I thought it
1: was I mean, as you know, in my one sentence summary, I thought it was funny that like they just watch a movie and they're like, we should go to camp. And then suddenly they all go to camp. Do you notice that's like the second book that where the catalyst for the central plot is like the kids watch something. <laughs> What's the oh, oh, the practical joke one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like go to the movies. Like they get all these ideas that's from true. the movies. I feel like that was not something that happened to us as children. Where we like watch a movie and then be like, we should do this thing.
0: I remember watching Parent Trap and wanting to go to a camp like that. Like, it didn't translate into reality. But I think that's why, you know, the super specials we've talked about being really aspirational. I think that that sort of makes sense to me. Like, I wish that it translated into, you know, the ability. Although I think I would have been terrified in actuality as a kid. But I liked the idea. And so then it's fun to read about. Mm -hmm. Right. For the Charlotte Johansson sitting at home, it's nice to at least know that Charlotte could do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess we went camping all the time. So, like, the mm-hmm. prospect of going to camp was like, eh.
0: But that's very different. I feel like going to a summer camp, like, I think there'd be a lot of things about summer camp that you would like, Anne, because there's, like, all kinds of competitive games. Games. And, there's, <laughs> and, and Anne loves games. And you like arts and crafts. It's a carnival, but you sleep <laughs> in a bunk bed. <laughs> yeah. It's a woodsy carnival.
2: Is there like a, an adult camp I can go to?
0: I feel like there are now. Yeah, I mean, I guess like music
1: festivals are kind of grown-up camp camps.
2: <laughs> I mean, That's I true. also feel like camp to me is like more of a East Coast thing. Mm, yeah, and also something that like wealthy parents send their children to. Yeah. Well, that, that
0: whole thing of, like, your kid goes away for eight weeks is definitely, I feel like, an East Coast thing. I didn't know anybody growing up that no. did that. and Even I Michelle
2: do- didn't go. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. So Yeah, funny. that's true. Even our rich friend couldn't go to camp for eight weeks. Our
1: rich friend. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I did think that was interesting in this book where, like, there's a couple kids that get mentioned as sort of like all summer kids Mm -hmm. but they don't and there's like clearly something a bit sad about that but they don't ever really kind of like dive into that dimension of the camp dynamics Mm -hmm. which i thought was kind of interesting like it's another another like moment where maybe anna martin is critiquing the uber wealthy but she doesn't quite go all the way there right we just like take for granted that some kind of you know aspirational like be rich enough to send your kids to camp thing is fine. But like when you're so wealthy that you send your kids for the entire summer, just because you want to get away from them, maybe that's like the bad kind of wealthy.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think she does criticize that idea. It's interesting, you know, to come in with the psychology, like the data is, is are clear that um, camp independent camp experiences are really good for kids. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot showing that it really helps with self-efficacy and autonomy and, um that it it you know can support secure attachment much like your story Emily of like having independent time away from parents and being able to come home and and talk about it sort of what we see at the end of Charlotte being proud of herself for doing it even though she didn't like it um but there are a lot of kids that really like it and there are kids that are um you know really look forward to their 8 weeks away um in those kind of spaces who are able to do that of course it is definitely Uh, a huge wealth divider so there's the socioeconomic piece but the the psychological piece is that it is not a terrible thing to do depending on your kid and depending on their temperament but i think there's a lot it's easy to have judgments about it in the parent trap where is the camp um in the original it's in like upstate new york i think i think it's similar to Mm -hmm camp mohawk because because i'm I, i'm always like why did susan go all the way there from california
1: right that's what i was yeah. wondering
0: yeah i don't know
1: but i guess are. it had to be there because that's where the camps are as Anne pointed out but also like for the other
0: one to come from the uk it had to be like in the middle right she comes from boston in the original she's not from the uk
1: oh i'm thinking about the You're, Lindsay lohan version yeah,
0: i know i know you are
1: uh, well <laughs> they fixed a glaring plot hole then yeah. <laughs> Why do they send the one from California all the way to the yeah. East Coast? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like Wet Hot is also set in the Northeast, right? Yeah. Wet Hot American so, Summer. Excuse me. That's okay.
0: Like, Watertown, <laughs> Maine. Yeah.
1: Wait, uh, Watertown or Waterford? Watertown. Watertown.
0: How, oh, one, oh, Waterville. Hey, Waterville. was Waterville. Right.
1: <laughs> it's always nice to get in, away from camp, even for just an hour.
0: <laughs> and have you seen this movie? You watched it with me a long time ago, right? Uh Yeah, Emily and I really like that movie. Shout out to my friend Mike Munn for introducing me to it and then me introducing Emily to it and Emily's friends being obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of good characters in that movie.
1: Oh, no. Well, who are they uh, of the babysitters?
0: Oh, geez. Okay, And <laughs> do you remember much about What Hot American Summer? I know you've watched it before, but you haven't watched it as many times as me and Emily. No, I've seen yeah? it like once. Well, do you have anybody that jumps out?
1: I don't know. I was trying to think about who would be Christy. Yeah. But it's like not Beth.
0: Yeah, is it not, Beth? Because she's just not involved enough.
1: Yeah, she's like, I don't care. Is Susie
0: Christy? Susie's probably Christie. Oh, Susie
1: could be Christy. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: good. So does that make Ben Bart? And is Bart actually gay? Which would explain <laughs> why he's so awesome.
1: Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
0: Okay, so Susie is played by Amy Poehler, and Ben is played by Bradley Cooper. I feel like for people that haven't seen it as much as us, we might use the actors' names.
1: They're they're they run the theater at camp. Yeah, <laughs> and they're very intense about the end of uh, summer production. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then that means that um, Gail is Claudia.
1: Yeah, Gail's Claudia,
0: the Molly Shannon character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that's actually
1: really good because she runs the art cabin but she's also like swooning all the time she's yeah. just like she falls in love so fast and so hard you know
2: <laughs> Wait, are you guys like talking like this is going to be on the podcast or are you just talking between yourselves honestly i don't know we'll see
0: <laughs> um Anne, are you saying that this isn't interesting
2: <laughs> well to let all of our listeners know there's like a leaf blower outside my window right now so i've been i've had to i've muted my microphone and this is during the time in which Esme and Emily have been just talking about wet hot. But I think it's I think it's reasonable. Who's Logan?
0: Andy is Andy Logan.
1: I mean, I guess right because he's right like he's in yeah depth. yeah and he's like uh I don't like yeah. you anymore. You taste like a burger.
0: Yeah, I feel Something like better might come along.
2: Yeah, I feel like that's a dead ringer. <laughs> Okay, we've we've lost we've lost enough listeners right now, guys. Okay, <laughs> fine. <laughs> All
0: right, should I talk about some psychology stuff? Sure. Okay. So one thing you noted, Emily, is this like obsession with coolness of this like cool girl stuff that we see happening in a lot of the different cabins. So there's like the girls being much more mature than Christy and I'll let you talk more about the Christy makeover. Cause it makes me too sad and scared. Um, but scared. <laughs> I have a lot of emotions about the Christy makeover. Okay,
2: We're going to do an Esme makeover no, in one of our no. episodes. It's Make like her put deepest, on
0: mascara. My deepest fear. Yeah. Um,
1: but she'll still wear a baseball cap. So, you know, yeah. she's cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: But we see it also with, um, Jesse and Mallory and uh, with their rejection, which is is some some of it is race based and we can talk about that. But some of it is also just this rejection of them not being kind of in the in crowd at camp and being, I think, so just kind of um, obviously eleven. Um, there's some cringy moments where they're, they've asked to be junior CITs, even though that's not a thing at the camp because they have all this childcare experience and Mal makes them these little armbands that say junior CIT on them. And Jessie's aware enough to like, think, Ooh, I don't think we should put these on, but she feels loyalty to Mal and she puts them on. As I'm recounting this, both Anne and Emily are making these like,
2: Oh no, don't pull out the armbands faces. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. It it's like so bad. Yeah, that in combination when Jesse, did she say this to them or was it in her like, like her internal monologue when she's like, actually, we mostly read horse books.
0: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think she said I can't it to remember them. if that was.
2: Yeah, I she think says that it was, to them because
0: they accuse them of still reading the Bobsy twins. And she says, "No, no, no. We read horse books, which is like..."
2: And then I was picturing that with an armband.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a, so but cringy. it's really, you know, it breaks my heart as the parent of a ten and a twelve-year-old. Like, they're j- that's appropriate. Like, it is fine to be eleven and like horse stories and like make your little DIY armband and be proud of this job that you've been given. And it's really sad that that's just, you know, middle school is a really challenging time socially for girls. And it, it is very obvious to us that they would be rejected for some of those behaviors. And I, I think Jesse's internal monologue about like, well, but I'm I'm here with Mal and I care about Mal, so I'm going to go along with it is very sweet. But I think it's all rendered very nicely. It's this um, time of looking for weakness and and trying to be more grown up than you are. And, you know, it, it makes, I think, also all of the 13-year-olds that bring all of these accessories to camp, so they, they talk a lot about how everyone has to wear the same uniform, but some people accessorize it so well, and they talk about the different colored ribbons or anklets or earrings that they wear, and I my thought is, like, that all sounds really, like stupid looking, like just not actually be impressive. But when you're 13, it's an easy way to give a marker of kind of who's who's on top of it and who's paying attention to those kinds of things and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that 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 sort of coolness competition often does bloom in sort of more parent free spaces. So, um, you know, or adult free spaces, you know, where there's the ratio is lower than it might be, you know, in a classroom or on a sports team or something, you know, you're just being observed less by the adults. And so that kind of stuff comes to the surface. So I thought it was pretty realistically rendered. And I certainly remember having those feelings and feeling like, oh, I'm not like, I'm not into those things. I'm not interested in those things. Should I be? Does that make me wrong in some way? so did you get to the point where they're training the kids for the dance at the parent
1: night no i didn't get to that point. so they end up writing like a musical for their the campers that they're in charge of just do you want so
2: much more cringy do you
1: want to guess what the musical is about
2: <laughs> okay yeah okay let me ask some questions <laughs> great is it like is it a period piece <laughs>
0: That's a really good sis question. <laughs> it's a nice double entendre.
1: <laughs> it should have been That's a missed opportunity
2: <laughs> okay. um is it uh is it like is it based off a real musical? Mm-mm. no is it it's, but Mallory thinks of it. Does she write it?
1: I think it's like a combo mal jesse effort.
2: Okay. So, they start out
1: like choreographing a dance number, but some of the girls are like klutzy, you know, it's like mm-hmm. Charlotte and um Becca, Jesse's sister, who they keep like everyone keeps reiterating does not have Jesse's coordination <laughs> or dance skills. I'm like, damn, leave her alone.
0: <laughs> None of them.
2: Okay. Is it like is it is it like cats, but it's called horses? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes nailed it (laughs) that's exactly what it is
1: (laughs) all right well we solved that plot problem (laughs) they basically write a musical that's like an allegory for how the girls in their bunk are mean to them it's like oh yeah that's the correct face
0: (laughs) yeah it's so well-intentioned though it's so sweet like it's yeah but real cringy yeah
2: Uh, yikes
0: it's like be cool mal Mm -hmm. be cool
2: how do you even make a musical out of that?
0: <laughs> well, Becca and Charlotte are twins and they move to town and they get rejected and then they get welcomed, right? That's basically it. It's mm-hmm. a mini musical. Yeah.
1: Apparently there's a moment when they're revealed to when they reveal themselves to be twins where some of the parents in the audience are like, "Hmm,
0: how
2: can a black girl and a white girl be twins?" Hmm. Wow, so it's kind of like it's a little heavy-handed for summer camp. It's mm-hmm. Extremely
0: heavy-handed. Although I wouldn't say heavy-handed for summer camp. I think summer camp entertainment is generally very heavy-handed.
2: Oh, it is? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. A lot of like, you know, singing really sincere songs or doing, you know.
2: No, I was wh- thinking more of like a, like tap dancing or something. <laughs> mm. Like more of like a review type of thing where it's sure. like everyone comes out with their like little number. Yeah. Well, that's true.
0: Roger the master broom balancer yeah, yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> what's some the that. number
2: they perform in Wet
0: Hot day by day from Godspell yes <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah
1: it's so good um I so that's interesting that you talk about like camp performances as being um what was the word that you use? sincere because
0: I, I was mean, thinking I mean, that like, earnest well, more than sincere
1: right I was gonna say earnest because I but I was thinking that that's kind of interesting because there's a lot of or in in the girls cabins who 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 have difficulty with their cabin mates there's a lot of like oh you've never been to camp before have you like i'm you're not cool like would you do see meatballs and then you're like i want to go to camp and everyone's like ooh but but the kids who are like are the, are the kids who are being cool and like elitist about people not having been to camp like into the earnestness of camp or are they i don't know that that part yeah. was there's a little bit of a disjuncture there for me, I feel like.
0: Oh, I don't think so. I think that, it, like, because camp does a couple things. One is that it establishes in groups and establishes a culture that you're a part of. And so, like, mm-hmm. if you are a Camp Mohawk kid, you're, you're always a Camp Mohawk kid and you're part of that. And then that can become deeply earnest. But an outsider doesn't understand that yet. And so you're sort of protecting that Uh, like those traditions from somebody who's on the outside this is something we're just touching on a little bit there's a really great one of my favorite ever episodes of this american life called notes on camp that um talks about that and some of the other stuff that i think we're going to talk today we we can link to it in the show notes but i think that that's what you're seeing is like the like the earnestness is at the core and they have to sort of protect it from outside people
1: and so they do that by deploying coolness yeah weird
0: (laughs) at least when they're middle school age right I'm sure right, the 8 year olds right. do it in a different way. All right, can you guess the other thing that pissed me off about this book? Well,
1: I can see it in your notes. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. No, but I knew you were going to mention that the there's yeah. like the camp lore of the escaped lunatics from the asylum haunting the woods.
0: Yeah. Yeah. comes up multiple times. There's lots of lunatics and asylum talk in this book like three different sections. Um and so I I think, you know, I uh, Knowing our listeners, none of you will be surprised to hear that um, horror movie tropes about people with mental illness are problematic um, and are not based in data, um, and that um, on average people with mental illness are actually less likely to commit violent crimes. Um, And while there are certain diagnoses and certain things that may make people prone to violence, the idea that anybody who escapes from some sort of institution is a serial killer is uh, very very problematic and it was just like right there and it it's not super surprising this this also came out in 1989 right are we still in 89 and um you know that was there were tons of both summer camp horror movies and asylum based horror movies in the 70s and 80s um so i'm not surprised at all that that trope was in there in kind of a more slightly more developmentally appropriate way but if you think about like You're starting, this is like a nine-year-old reading this book, and the scary threat to Marianne out in the woods and to Dawn out in the woods is that there might be a crazy person who has escaped and is going to murder you is not a good building block for thinking about people who may be struggling with mental illness or neurodivergent in our society. Um, And it's just, it's striking to me how early we start teaching people that crazy equals bad and violent it's like the backbone for how they scare each other it's like and little kids are saying it to the cits you know kids yeah. who've been at camp before um are talking about the two escaped murder like what they're not going to keep you know if people are murderers they're not generally going to keep them in a Long term treatment facility. This is nothing to say of like how unhelpful long term hospitalization is for people. It turns out, generally speaking, that that's a bad idea, but we didn't necessarily completely know that in the late 80s. Um, But it just really bummed me out. Like I didn't, I I actually read this one aloud to my kids over the summer because they couldn't go to camp this year and they were bummed about it. And we were, and then I was like, oh, Oh, and then it came up once, and then it came up like three more times. I was like, "So, you, you two know?" And they're like, "Yeah, both our parents are psychologists. We know that this is not good. It's okay. You can move along. <laughs> like, we don't need yep. a social yeah, justice Mom. lecture right now." Oh my god, new kids! Um, yeah, it was really when was they meet
1: people their age that are not from Berkeley. They're going to be so such culture shock. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. all right so emily what problematic things did you notice because i'm sure there are some
1: yeah well the camp is called camp mohawk so (laughs) yeah Uh, there's a moment at the very beginning where stacy is um talking about the tp it's uh yeah on the bottom of page seven into page eight and so you you see on every article of clothing including the socks was this symbol and it's like a, a sort of Flat, two-dimensional teepee. And she says, a teepee. Now, I don't know a lot about capital I, capital Oh, C- Oh, it's not a capital C. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I don't know a lot about Indian culture, but I know this much. The Mohawk Indians are part of the large Iroquois nation, and the Iroquois Indians lived in longhouses, not teepees. But what can you do? This was camp,
2: not school. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Esme, do you know what that line reminds me of? No. Actually, is pronounced "Milwaukee," which is Algonquin for "the good land."
0: Emily, do you know what that's from? No, I don't. This is the overlap of movies that Anne and I have watched two thousand times, and movies that you and I have watched two thousand times. And I'm in the middle. That's uh, Alice Cooper in Wayne's World, explaining yeah. what what Milwaukee is is Algonquin for the good land. Oh
1: my God. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about, like, indigenous erasure a bit in, like, the context of Don's old colonial house and um, that kind of thing. But, like, I mean, this is peak whitewashing of, or, like, both whitewashing of Native American, like, languages and geography and all kinds of things, but also, like, doing that gloss of, like... This is what was here before, so like like total erasure of, um, you know, both the the violent displacement and like the continued existence of uh, native peoples,
0: <laughs> right? And yeah, it's, but it's erasure at the same time that it's co-opting and appropriating, like quote unquote, Indianness yeah. for the use of the camp and and making it seem more natural, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like Lord Baden Powell who started the Boy Scouts in. England had a bunch of choice quotes about how the red man is the steward of the land and like he was obsessed with American indigenous culture or like his fake English idea of it and how, you know, good scouts should learn from that.
1: Yeah, but I think it's even funny, it's like Stacy's acknowledgement of it here is Mm -hmm. just the same. It's the same thing, right? Like I mean what she does is exactly the thing that she's criticizing, but like it's it's a total, like, 80s, 90s, like... I'm looking for a different word than, like, erasure or co-optation, but it's, like, mm-hmm. I... It's, like... Simplification? Yeah, but it's, like, this kind of view of Native American people as, like... A, as like outside of history and as like this this like singular singular entity that like has a culture right it's kind mm. of like a flattening yeah i guess like a simplification or kind of like a flattening i mean she's like differentiating between long houses and teepees but like that's you know, still glossing over like large swaths of differences among various mm-hmm. kinds of tribes and languages and all that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, well, like even, even like knowledge about it is still like surface, mm-hmm. you know, it still does that kind of flattening. Uh, it still has that flattening effect, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, and even the fact that she said that they lived in longhouses, not teepees. Is exactly. That Past tense, life. right? Like
1: yeah. <laughs> once upon a time at the dawn of human history yeah so that's all troubling what wasn't there another uh what was the name of the town in sea city that the pike parents go to for like a day by themselves
0: oh was it just a colonial village it's a colonial village yeah vanessa smithtown smithtown (laughs) i always frown when i go to smithtown
1: (laughs) wow is that how you access the name of that town yes oh my god you're what Is in your
0: brain. So many things.
1: Wow. This kind of rang like that to me, right? Like it's I mean, the fact that Stacy is like, hey, this TP is strange. It shouldn't be here is like at least a little bit of acknowledgement, unlike Mm -hmm. the colonial village situation or the like um, you know, Don farmhouse situation. But it's still Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is not
0: (laughs) (laughs) that was not the way to fix that. (laughs) It's met with a shrug, right? Yeah. Yeah. What can you do? This is camp, not school. <laughs> but I do think it's a very accurate, like, this is a thing that summer camps do um, and have done for a very long time is this um, Appropriate. appropriating of an idea of Indianness. And that's another thing that's a, a great segment in that. This American Life episode, and I think mm-hmm. it's it from the 90s, but about this idea of fake Indianness and how central that is to all these summer camps that a bunch of white kids get sent to, mm-hmm. and like what they learn about, you know, qu- uh, I'm k- using scare quotes as I talk on a podcast, but about yeah. quote unquote Indianness, right. um, and how that, you know, plays into people's later ideas about Native and Indigenous people.
2: Absolutely. Okay, enough about uh, Native Americans. What's what's up with Logan? <laughs> Logan sucks and wow.
1: Okay, so in this book, ugh, Marianne's like feeling intimidated by these like catty girls who are like, you don't really have a boyfriend. So she like writes him a fake love letter that she leaves out so that they find it and like think like believe her. And then they, like, dare her to deliver it to him. And she's, like, mortified. She's like, I would never write this stuff. But she's like, I have to do this. Like, otherwise, they're going to think I'm a liar. And so she, like, sneaks away. But she gets caught. But then they... Then the camp director like lets her still deliver the letter, so she hands it over, and then the like boy counselor like gives it to Logan at, at the mess hall in front of everyone, and then everyone reads it out loud and embarrasses the shit out of him, and then he like starts a food fight to deflect, and then he, at some point he's like, I had to make sure not to lose any of the respect I had won that day.
2: Is that how Logan talks? Yeah. yeah. like I like Emily's voice. <laughs>
1: um, I can't do Southern, so... <laughs>
2: So you're like,
0: just like a dude.
1: Yeah, like ugh. yeah, they, like that's throwing food is how you gain respect. <laughs> but then he's like, then he does this weird thing. So there's two crossover events between the boys' CITS and the girls, where one is like a movie night and the other is like a dance. And Marianne doesn't go to the movie night because she's worried there's, like, some – this also got played super strange because of the way the chapters are ordered. But, like, we don't figure out why Marianne doesn't go to the movie night until after the movie night's kind of, like, over in the sequence of – Because Dawn's
0: lost in the woods.
1: Yeah, Dawn gets lost for an extra day on an overnight
0: camping trip. Wow. That's a whole other subplot. Well, there's also no camp in the world that lets two thirteen-year-olds take six eleven-year-olds out into the woods with no adult supervision
1: overnight. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, okay, but go on.
1: So then, so then Marianne shows up to the dance, and Logan's like worried about her, like being her shyness, like making him seem lame. That he's like. Oh, I hope she doesn't do that thing. Like she kicks her shoe off and hides in the corner. Like everyone's gonna think she's really a feeb. This is—I don't know if this was on your like social justice thing, but the boys make fun of Marianne when she gets caught and they call her a feeb. Which he says, I guess that's short for feeble-minded. Like, yikes! Yeah, yeah. So all the boys think that Marianne's some like—I don't know—like dim, like dork. And Logan's like, oh god, I hope she doesn't embarrass me. It's horrifying
0: it's really bad. Wow. It's really and poor bad.
1: Marianne was just like trying to keep her cool, you know? She's just trying to like stick up for herself.
2: Is this where Esme comes in to defend Logan? No,
0: not I was just going to ask you to read the love letter, Anne. You can it's uh it's um right after chapter 11. It's in chapter 11. So if you find the chapter 11 right. picture, it'll be the one below it. It's on page one. Oh, I
2: see. Dear Logan, I miss you so much. I'm counting the days until next Wednesday. This next week will seem like a year. I think of you and want to cross out because she spelled swoon wrong. Swoon. Oh, to fill your arms around me at the dance. (laughs) What? I know. It has been too long since her last kiss. I will be wearing the formal teepee wear, of course, and a yellow ribbon in my hair. What of you, my love? Will you wear your aftershave? (laughs) If you were to bring me a yellow flower to match my ribbon, I would smell in your... Oh, sorry. I would melt in your arms. <laughs> I would smelt in your arms. <laughs> Marianne's handwriting is sometimes hard to read. Okay. Yeah. I would melt in your arms. Love forever. Kisses and hugs. Your love funny. Marianne XXOO. Yeah. Wow.
0: So again, it was written for her co-CITs to find. She did not actually intend to send it to Logan. But that sort of makes it more sad to me because she thought that this was like the cool thing to write. To prove that she had a boyfriend
1: yeah it's bad all around but they seem to like i can't tell when they convince her to deliver it if they want her to get caught or if they think the letter is itself the embarrassing thing or if it's like a combination i think they're just like they seem kind of impressed by the letter
0: in a way Mm
2: -hmm. wait can i have emily read logan's letter in in her logan voice i already forgot my logan voice it's chapter 12 the postcard to his parents
1: or to Yeah. yeah Oh, the one to his um, siblings is like, ugh, also. I forgot my Logan voice. Ugh, lost all the respect that I gained. (laughs) Ugh, okay. (laughs) Dear Mom and Dad, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Camp Mohawk is fine, too, most of the time. I mean, you know, poison ivy, camp food, dumb rules. But I learned how to canoe, and I swam to the middle of the lake deca deca, and back, which earned me a Hiawatha badge. That means I can do any water sport anytime I want. I might learn to water ski. Love, Logan.
2: <laughs>
0: that was way better than it had any right to be
2: <laughs> i like these like doing these uh you know interpretations of the different letters ask me do you want to do one
0: <laughs> who, do you, what, who do you want
2: me to do oh do you want to do um what not you a christy one the one she writes to shannon on chapter 21 mm-hmm. oh yeah
1: bart's mentioned in that one Do
0: okay. it. Dear Shannon, hi. How's Camp Erie? I don't think
2: I... (laughs) You guys laugh at
0: me no matter what I do. (laughs) sorry. It's just... Okay, sorry. Dear Shannon. Hi, how's Camp Erie? I don't think I'd want to be at your camp on Halloween if camps were open then. I've been doing tons of sports. Water skiing is the best. Maybe I'll try skydiving next. Just kidding. That's one thing you can't do here. If you had seen me last night, I bet you wouldn't have recognized me. The CIT in my cabin and the ones next door forced me to get dressed up and made up. I didn't look like me at all. I looked like a Christy Thomas doll. I wonder what Bart would have thought. Love, Christy. Bart would have been like, I don't know, you look cool without the makeup. Ditch it. (laughs) That's exactly right.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, again, like so much heteronormativity in this book too, right? Like the whole, the girls are like, boy, like boy crazy, but also, you know, like, there's expectations that like if you want boys to like you you do you act in certain xyz ways and mostly most of those things have to do with like making yourself appealing to them Mm -hmm. rather than like being a good person or like being interesting
0: (laughs) even the little girls in claudia's cabin tell her like oh wear your hair down boys like that better yeah it's like ready to go meet will yeah
1: yeah it's a bit cringy because i think like you know the the girls in particular, and even Logan, to an extent, like you know everyone learned some lessons about like be true to yourself, but this undercurrent of like just chatter among the girls camp where like so much of it is re- revolved and centered on mm-hmm. kind of making making yourself appealing um yeah. to boys is just like really uninterrogated
0: uh the Christy makeover does like literally really disturb me because she's so clearly not into it and is just feeling kind of boxed in and says this not and i don't mean like i mean because of how she writes about it right like not um i don't know it falls into this trope that's in you know 100 of 80s teen movies that you know the makeover is an essential part of building self confidence and that it is also like a kindness like i think about at the end of breakfast club when molly ringwald's character claire makes over Ali Sheedy's character. And then like the wrestler likes her. Um, and that was always like the only part I didn't like of that movie. Um, (laughs) and it's just like that, that, that is how women take care of each other is by making, you know, the poor girl that doesn't know how to be appealing to boys, more appealing to boys. Um, Rather than interrogating, like, should we be spending any of our time doing that? And maybe right. it's, you know, maybe part of the reason that Chrissy is so confident is that she is not spending time thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not central to her sort of self-identity. So, yeah. You're going to say something, Anne?
2: Well, since we've read a couple of postcards already, I, I wanted to read a Claudio postcard, specifically the PS of this particular postcard that she writes her mom and dad where she says, I met a cute guy really cute and he's Japanese exclamation point I mean okay this probably really pleases Claudia in a way because you know she feels like she doesn't live up to whatever Asian American standard that she thinks her parents have for her but if she likes a Japanese American boy that's kind of like you know it will please her parents so it was worth it was worth a PS I think
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, you guessed an entire inner monologue in one of her chapters there (laughs) where she's like, like, yeah, she explicitly says like, I think my parents would love it if I had Japanese babies, basically. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thinking back to our conversations about like compulsory motherhood last time, I think that was
2: alive and well there. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. Um, Did we mention all the Oreo stuff?
0: Mm Mm-mm. When the, oh, oh. the when the racist girls, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It is interesting because I feel like Jessie observes, it's kind of like the first thing in her chapter. And she's like, I was a little nervous. There aren't that many black kids here. Yeah, my sister's here. Maybe a couple others. Uh, but then, yeah. But Claudia doesn't seem like surprised or not surprised one way or the other that there's like a Japanese you know that this guy's Japanese and I think I feel like I can't tell if they're like the only two Japanese kids at this camp or whether she's like expecting there to be Japanese boys you know what I mean like (laughs) we only get an an insight into those two but race comes up in the Jesse and Mal kind of arc where they're trouble with their cabin like the girls in their cabin think that they're lame right and that they're like twins right They're attached at the, at the hip but they can't be twins because one of them's black and so they um jesse hypothesizes that they misuse the racial slur oreo <laughs> because they say oreos and she's like an oreo is somebody who's like black on the outside but white on the inside and then mal's like well why did they call the us both oreos and then jesse's like i don't know they're dumb <laughs> basically, basically. Yeah. yeah but then but then the like arc kind of pivots away from race and it's about making fun of them I think for being kind of babyish in the vein of like um Mal and Jesse's, you know sort of character descriptions of themselves in prior books right like they, they wish people treated them like they were older but they're still mm-hmm. 11 yeah it was. it's interesting that like she says like foregrounds race really heavily in her first chapter and then that mm-hmm. kind of falls out as mm-hmm. um as the like uh conflict develops
0: <laughs> well it's still a plot point in their little mini musical right it's just that they're not talking about it as much in their internal monologues because yeah putting it into their art
2: mm-hmm. yeah i mean i was pretty shocked those girls called jesse and oreo to yeah. be honest i was like geez like that's, that's definitely pretty... where i
0: learned the
1: term yeah in this book Hmm. interesting yeah
2: yeah it's a pretty how how old are they like 11 mm-hmm. it's a pretty like nasty thing to say at that age mm-hmm. to someone else so, but I think it's it's interesting then, and it's it was good. I think Anna Martin did that. Mm-hmm. But also in that chapter where Jesse is like getting settled in her cabin, <laughs> and she's like, "I'm the only black girl. I'm the only girl who has a name that doesn't start with M mm-hmm. A. I have to wear this armband. My best." I was like, "Geez, like, can you make her stick out anymore?" I know. <laughs> like, I felt really bad. Ugh. Yeah.
0: It's really hard for her to blend in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did I I did like that Anna Martin used a real racial slur and mm-hmm. explained it and you know, had it used clumsily in the hands of these 11-year-olds, but it like shows how you know, hate and, right. and oppression can get passed down very easily.
2: Yeah. You know, guys, I just I don't think this is something Anna Martin has done on purpose at all, but the Asian equivalent of an Oreo is a Twinkie oh mm-hmm. claudia really likes twinkies but yeah i mean people have called me twinkie before uh i don't know i guess it's it's mostly been like like friends teasing me about it like mm-hmm. maybe when i was younger and i guess it didn't really bother me
0: asian friends or white friends
2: white friends i would say but i think like when i was younger i didn't really like grasp what that meant and I'm even talking like in college as mm. a younger, you know. But I think like now, of course, like as I, I would take much more offense to it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so on the topic of sort of like stereotyping and racial slurs and heteronormativity, we see don fat shame in this book too, which I think mm-hmm. is like what? I mean, not to not to the girl's face, but a bit in her inner monologue, I think. And I I don't know if we've had if we've seen that before in the
0: books i don't think we've had we've we've seen a lot of implicit um you know description of people's nice shapes right and And skinniness thin and skinny um but i don't think we've heard um well and we've seen jake coon on the crushers right get made fun of for being fat but it was very clear that the babysitters were not on the side of that Mm -hmm. where that was like the mean crushers doing that
1: i mean yeah basher yeah and i feel like that plot line was a bit clumsy right so don's like the one girl in her cabin who sort of leaves herself out right like people invite her to do things and she says no and so the girls just start ignoring her and like she's like well well she's a bit heavier than everyone else and the, there's kind of like a it it like is part of the narrative Don's spinning about her outsider-ness and then the lesson mm-hmm. that they end up learning like is kind of clumsy i think right that she's the one she's the camper who they get lost on their overnight camping trip and she's the one who ultimately brings them back to camp. And so Don's like, oh, you know, her and, and like at the, everyone's so impressed. And they're like, how'd you learn that? And she's like, oh, last week when you guys were off doing things, I read a book on, you know, survival skills. And so like, Mm -hmm. so the lesson is sort of like, oh, well, your way of doing things is also valuable, I guess. Like, I don't know. Mm I thought, I thought it was a little clumsy and I wasn't, it is a little disappointing to kind of see her like rendering all of those judgments about the girls in her cabins physical appearance and kind of like attaching uh like like clustering it with the assessment of kind of insider outsider dynamics in Mm -hmm. her cabin
0: yeah Mm -hmm. no agreed i think what i do like about it at all though is that i think sometimes a book like this could just be like yay camp you know Um, And so I think with exploring Charlotte's difficulties and Heather's difficulties and just sort of the uneven nature of the experience, like Mm -hmm. it's designed to be, you know, really fun for kids in general. And there's, there are different kinds of kids, right? And some of them will have a good time and some of them will have a fine time and some of them will have a bad time. And so um, I think that's what she was trying to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, there's just like, so much that gets attached to, or like, not even explicitly attached to, but kind of implicitly clustered with the appearance dynamic.
0: Oh, sure. Definitely.
1: Yeah. And I think that links, you know, to coolness things, like performative a- appearance things, but also kind of um, describing people's, you know, like, natural looks or whatever mm-hmm. you know and th- that speaking of like racist claudia tropes right you see there's like a whole conversation where the counselors when she goes to buy junk food are like how do you how do you look the way you you look when you eat like mm-hmm. this and claudia's like get it from my grandma <laughs> yeah
0: yeah well when we get into claudia's candy i think on page 101 is the only place that it's actually mentioned so maybe we can have Anne read that little section are we ready to go there
2: yeah, let's go there, yeah that's just like the part where she talks about what she's bu- what she's buying,
0: yeah, so basically, they have this canteen,
2: yeah, where so they she... can
0: buy snacks and and everybody talks constantly and how 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 terrible the food is, and so they're just loading up after their meager
2: breakfast, right, so let's see, okay, so one girl, Sally gets ringdings, Vanessa gets peanut butter crackers, Haley gets fake apple pie. And then Claudia gets a Snickers bar, an Almond Joy, a Mars bar, a bag of Doritos, two packages of peanut M&M's, a pack of Twinkies, and some cheese doodles. Twinkies, alert. Please. <laughs> and then Joe asks, how do you stay so thin? And how come your complexion's so good? And then Claudia goes, I don't know, just lucky, I guess. Or maybe good genes. I take after my grandmother.
0: Mimi means you can eat lots and lots of sugar and other garbage. <laughs> So right honey. so
2: yeah. good I like peanut butter crackers
0: yeah those are good the orange kind
1: mm-hmm.
2: I yeah. also
0: like cheese doodles a lot that's a yeah. great yeah. a great snack
2: hey Esme just a quick pop, pop culture thing mm-hmm. I, I know that and it's somewhere in your memory you you, you you have the whole song hello Mutta, hello fada in your head I do really I mean I'm yeah. not going to make you sing the entire no, it's very thing, long no one wants to hear that pretty long. I still know the whole thing Maybe just the first, the first, first. <laughs> is this really like making As
0: Sing Things from Memory is enjoyable, do you think, to listeners? It's enjoyable to me.
2: <laughs> okay, so for our listeners, Hello, Mata, Hello, Fada" is like, parentheses, A Letter from Camp is a very famous song. It's an Alan Sherman
0: novelty yeah. record.
2: So it's like, it's basically, it, the inspiration was his son writing him letters from upstate New York summer camp. And I just looked it up, and just this year in 2020, the song was selected by the Library of Congress for um, preservation in the National Recording Registry for being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. So that just happened this year.
0: Oh, that's cool. congratulations, Alan Sherman. That's
1: timely—a timely coincidence for our podcast. Yeah,
0: I we uh, had—I had three cassette tapes called "Fun Rock" that I ordered off of the television that Anne and Michelle and I just like played the hell out of in fact this year i transferred two of them to mp3 and sent them to Anne during the pandemic i Mm -hmm. can't find the third one
1: when you say things like tapes i ordered off of the television you sound old
0: (laughs) that's my that's that's my jam here to represent (laughs) generation x emily there are plenty of people listening to this podcast going yes i also ordered tapes off of the television anyway okay you know the first few lines too don't you oh just you just uh, do it. Hello, Mada. Hello, fada. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining. <laughs> and they say we'll have some fun if it stops raining. I, I mean. And and it me, goes on oh. for like 10 more yeah. verses probably. Yeah. But, wow. There's like. Stuff about tomain poisoning. There's stuff about yeah, there's a lot of terrible things that happen to all of his fellow campers.
2: Yeah. The story yeah. arc is a lot of bad things happen, but then at the end it gets better.
0: <laughs> That's a good summary.
2: I think <laughs> that should have, you could have used that as your summary for this book. <laughs> right. Yeah. The head
0: coach wants no sissies, so he reads to us from something called Ulysses is one of the couplets. I had to oh, like, look up no.
1: a, when I was a child. Yikes. Yeah. I was just going to say that's in keeping with the, this book
0: as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> oh wait, also his bunkmate has malaria.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want this should scare you, but my bunkmate yeah. has malaria.
2: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, wait, maybe this is the inspiration for Stacy's. Like it might be. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: For Stacy's endurance. Of this was
2: like, let's see, diseases. it was written in the sixties, right? Early. Yeah. yeah. 63.
0: All right. Um, like the other super special, so far, they don't describe each other. They just jump in. This is what makes it a super special. You're not supposed to read this one if you've never met the BSC and you don't know what it is. So no tallies. They discuss their own feelings of worrying about not fitting in. But I don't even think they say babyish about themselves. It's no, just, it's just the spirit of it. Yeah.
2: yeah. What, what was everyone's weirdest line? Well, seeing I only read 40% of the book.
0: Mine was no contest. So I like how they all, um, although it's probably disrespectful if the Lake Decaunawida was actually an uh, indigenous name, they all can't remember it. So they call it different names all the time. And Dawn calls it Lake Dukakis, which <laughs> makes me really happy. <laughs> that also cracked me up. Uh, that, that
1: was my, my no contest favorite as well like Dukakis like oh my god well the funny thing is that like I wonder whether in that because sometimes it seems intentional right that they're like intentionally saying the wrong thing to be funny but I'm like did she intentionally pull out like Dukakis knowing who he was or just Mm like was it just like a word floating around in the ether that she like accidentally deployed you know
0: I mean I feel like she would have known who he was this is only 1989 he just lost the presidency like a year earlier a year
1: before yeah that's true (laughs)
0: so good
2: what do you think in i'm good with that
0: (laughs) great all right like do what should we pizza toast to
2: i mean should we do something like you know six months of episodes podcast i was gonna suggest
1: we pizza toast to ourselves (laughs) in some (laughs) fashion i was gonna do something a little bit more cynical like oh we managed to complete this episode which is kind of a miracle
0: (laughs) Um, I'm fine with that there's a lot going on right now everybody
2: yeah it is kind of a miracle yeah you know what we did it we did did it it.
0: all right pizza toast to finishing this episode to finishing this episode (laughs) all right everybody Oh. Just a reminder, no, no shows the next two weeks. We'll miss you, and we'll see you in 2021. Thank goodness 2020 is over.
2: This episode of Stuck in Stony Brook is now adjourned. Thank you to Anna Martin for everything. Stuck in Stony Brook is edited by Emily Crandall. Theme song written and recorded by Gary Schaller, performed by the band Kid Kid. You can follow us on Instagram at Stuck in Stony Brook, or find us on our website, stuckinstonybrook.com. Need some books that we mentioned? Buy them from our bookshop and support both the local independent bookstore and your favorite series literature analysis podcast. Find us at bookshop.org shop slash stuck in Stony Lastly, if you're feeling doubly generous and you want to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, that would be super helpful. You're the best friend the girl could ask for.